So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 9, Episode 8 of 90 Day Fiance. In this episode, Bilal shows Shida how to put silverware away, Emily tries to tell Kobe the best way to shovel manure, Patrick and Thais and John make a big move to Dallas, Eve is not impressed with Muhammad's mosque visit, Ari tries to square off against a trained fighter, and Jabreed gets to Chicago where the situation with David deteriorates dramatically. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. If you'd like to hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? Uh, what day is it again? Because I can't remember. Yeah, I think I was just talking to someone because they were trying to make plans when I got back. And I was like, I don't want to plan anything. This It'll be 18 days straight that I've worked without any day off. Yeah, yeah. And this just with you're in a place where everybody else is also working all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just like days completely lose meaning. Oh, yeah. We have no weekends. We didn't even have Memorial Day. So yeah. it's, it's been a long haul. It is. But we did remember that the show was on last I know, night. Barely. We were like, <laughs> oh, is it Sunday? Oh, goodness. Yeah, so we have that to watch. And we started with... Uh, Bilal and Shida. So kind of see Shida still in her feelings about the gondola conversation, which is, remember, he basically was like, oh, you, you promised me you didn't need any more kids or something like that. Mm. And it definitely was implying the no more kids thing. So she's pretty upset about that. And so kind of the way she's taking her revenge on Bilal here is it's Friday and she's not going to go to Juma with him. Uh, I mean, also not surprising because last time they went to Juma together, it was kind of a shit show. Yeah. And so I can understand her not wanting to go back. So he starts talking. She says, you know, where I come from in Trinidad, you know, Juma is only mandatory for men, for women. Eh, they can go if they want. It's nice, but they don't have to. And so she's going to take that option. But then he starts talking to her about, well, you know, here and here, it's it's important. It's mandatory for everybody to learn about the religion. And she stops him right there. Goes, eh, why is it every time you talk to me, it's a lecture? Oh, gosh. Which, accurate. You know, yeah. he's kind of like. She's not wrong. Yeah, she's not wrong. It kind of comes, oh, hmm, interesting, which is always what you want to hear when you say something like that to somebody. <laughs> right. Uh, so they kind of go about how he's always, you know, demanding of her. And it, they go around and around in circles about, about how important it is to him. He's like, if a religion's so important, and maybe she's not as religiously devout as I thought. But then again, maybe she is because he keeps finding the pins that hold her a job up all over the place, including like stuck in the couch, which throws him – into a into a place where he's like, do you know how expensive this couch is? Oh gosh, please. I know. She's like, is it an air couch? Is it going to deflate because I stuck a pin in it? No. No. But at the end of the day, she holds firm and is not going to go to Juma with him. So I don't know. He, he seems to be very demanding and it seems like she's making just a couple of little stands here. Do you think she's picking good hills to die on? Um, yeah, but I think she's going about it in a way that I don't think is getting her message across because I definitely feel this is a very passive aggressive move on her part. Yeah, for sure. She's clearly upset with him about other things and that's why she's stopped putting in the effort. I don't know 
if it's really 100% she doesn't want to go to Juma, but I do think like that that is part of it. She's like, why am I going to put myself out there doing something I don't really want to do when I'm not feeling you right now? And she said it in the interview, and I was just like, why are you not using this against him? <laughs> the fact that the last time she went to Juma specifically, like she did not have a good time. He did not show her around. And he even brought up this time, he's like, well, don't you want to meet new people? It's like, well, that didn't really happen the first time. And I would have thrown that in his face and been like, yeah, the last time I went, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it didn't work out. I didn't meet anyone because you were ignoring me. You were like across the room. You didn't introduce me to anyone and like made him feel guilty for his passive aggressive moves. as Right. Well. Like if you want everybody to do this thing, which mm-hmm. he clearly does, or at least he states he does, like you have to make it pleasant for everybody at least you know there's like a bare minimum of things it's not like oh you should want to do this thing i know it was terrible and i know you hated it but you should want to do it (laughs) no that's not how that's not how it's gonna work right yeah i don't think he likes not being able to control her too it's almost like you could see it in his face like yeah like why won't you do what i tell you to do right but he doesn't want to he's he's definitely like holding it in he doesn't want to yell or get crazy that she just kind of holds it behind there oh interesting yeah Well, the other thing that he said that I thought was a bit contradictory is, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, I always – the family that prays together stays together. And it's just like, well, I'm pretty sure your ex-wife was at Juma. I'm pretty sure you all prayed together and you all are not staying together. So (laughs) – Right, right. That can't be the only thing. I don't know. I always feel like that part too, like the family that prays together stays together is like – is it because you are in some sort of oppressive culture that doesn't let people break up? And that's why, you know, like it's kind of be like it's, it kind of just makes me picture that dad that makes everybody's coming down here and we're going to pray at the same time. Like yeah. if, that, you're, if you're that controlling over prayer, you're probably that controlling over something else. Doesn't mean everybody's happy together. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because just because you stay together doesn't mean everybody's happy together. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. All right. All right, so we check in with Emily and Kobe, where Kobe is somehow part of some test that Emily has set up for him, where he's going to prove himself to be a good son-in-law to her parents. So off to the barn they go, where Lisa, Emily's mom, has tasked him with uh, uh, scooping up some manure. She says it's too hard for her now that she's a little bit older, she can't lift it. And so Lisa, Emily, and Kobe are all... Uh, in the horse stalls and Kobe's a little nervous because he tells us horses are pretty rare in Africa. He's also telling us that he's really missing Cameroon in general, mostly the warm weather, uh, the beer there is different, and as he says, his handball team. So he's stuck uh, shoveling manure and you know, Emily just can't help but tell him that he's doing it wrong. So she's sitting there supervising and Kobe's getting a bit frustrated because You know, he just wants to do it his way. He doesn't need her telling him how to do things. And really, he suspects that she's just trying to prove to her mom that, you know, she can tell him to do whatever she wants and that she has complete control over him. So Lisa's just standing there awkwardly as they're kind of bickering back and forth. And Kobe's just kind of hinting that she should just stay quiet. And then things escalate a little bit, especially after Kobe says... Just shut the fuck up. So Emily does not take very kindly to those words. And so she uh, gets all huffy. She 
kind of storms off and she tells us that she can't believe that he's talking to her like that. And she's only known him for a couple months before she got pregnant. And she didn't realize this was his real temperament. She was just trying to help. She has no idea why it ended up this way, especially in front of her parents. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty much how it ended. So uh, do you think that Kobe was overreacting to things here? Uh, no. Or Emily overreacting no. to Kobe's shut the fuck up? I mean, yes, I think Emily overreacted to shut the fuck up, but that's also because, <laughs> like, I don't know, that's the way I kind of talk. Maybe you know, I, shut the fuck up is pretty – a little extreme, but he didn't, like, yell it. He was like, could you just shut the fuck up? Like, <laughs> because – It was clear he was frustrated, and I think it's not in a joking way, so, I mean, it's fair enough – but it's one of those things where it's like people are like, that's so disrespectful. I can't believe you uh, said that. Yeah. That's definitely how she took it. Oh, she did. And I, I always am <laughs> – anytime people go on and on about respect, mm-hmm. that was, you, I, was, I was disrespected. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to relate to you because I don't understand what you're doing. Because yeah. to me, she was being super rude as much oh, as she yeah. was like, oh my god, that was so rude. And it's like, yeah. you know what's rude is when somebody else is working, just standing there with your hands in your pockets – Telling them what to do. Right. And then saying, but I was helping. <laughs> right. I was helping. The, oh, I guess I'm not going to help him anymore. It's like, yeah, that's what he asked you to do. Yeah. He said, if he you're not going to do you, anything, he, leave. He doesn't want your help. Just that, go. He might if she picked up a shovel. Right, right. And yeah, and that was the other thing too is, uh, you know, just let the guy do, you know, what he's doing. And she says, well, I just want you to finish faster so we can hang out. Like, eh. like Let him figure that out. Yeah. I mean, it is a learning thing too. Like that's how people learn by figuring mm-hmm. it out, not by listening to you. Put it this way. No, no. Put the turn the middle side topwise kind of thing. Like it doesn't work and it's just annoying. Like there's nothing more annoying than somebody kibitzing you while you're like trying to work. No, no. You, why are you pulling it down? You should have put it on top. And so I get his – I don't know that his assessment about I think she's doing this just so she can prove she can control me. I just think right. she is a person that – Grew up always getting her way. Yeah. And so she doesn't understand that other people have other ways. And she's like, well, you should do it my way because it's my way that makes it the best way. Yeah, but he wasn't wrong in assessing like this is some kind of weird test she's putting me through. Oh, the weird test. Everybody has a weird test. And I don't know why all of these tests on this show involve like, well, how are they going to contribute to the household? Because he should contribute to the household, right? He should, yes. But how for some reason through all the seasons, you know – we had we used to met Tim and uh, Jennifer Fur, <laughs> and you know we had um, what's his face the one La Julia right oh yes but it always involves like how can I help out around the house somehow always involves to Farm shoveling animals. shit <laughs> like yeah. you can shovel shit for us I don't like it so it's a little bit uh <laughs> you know into that vein it's like really you couldn't think of anything different he could have done that might have been productive <laughs> yeah I mean. It- Assuming this isn't a one-off thing, he'll figure it out. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I think this goes for more than just this task, like people do things their own way because it's not a universal one way works the best for everyone. For, uh, yeah, totally. Totally. And she can't get that. This is just a microcosm of everything else because mm-hmm. she doesn't get it for what he, how he wants to interact with Coben either. Yeah. It's like, that's not how I do it. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if I'm him, well, your way of doing it is just whip your boob out and have a <laughs> kid get on it. That won't work for me. You should at right. least understand that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, so next up is Jabri and Miona. Kept kind of a short segment for them. They're packing up to go to Chicago, but notably not packing up the cowgirl boots. That's not going to work in Chicago because they have this big time opportunity to meet with this, I don't know, crazy music producer who they've been trying to work with forever. And of course, the compromise was that she gets her beach wedding um, if they go to Chicago. So they get in the car and they start the drive, which he was like, oh, I have a half a tank. I can make it on a 13-hour drive um, all the way to Chicago. And as we after they leave, he kind of starts talking about his relationship with David and kind of how that all went. And it was a rocky start to the relationship as they almost kind of first met when he made fun of David's accent and then David beat the crap out of him and put him into <laughs> a coma. Uh, but then he started, unbeknownst to him, he started dating um, David's twin sister. That's so weird. How would you not notice that? Yeah. He said he didn't know it was her twin sister. For that, three months. For three months. And then you think they like addresses. He, he'd show up. I don't know. But then at some point they kind of became best friends even after Jabri broke up with the sister and they've been, you know, tight ever since. Well, that is ever since till Miona came into the picture. And he feels like he kind of has to apologize to the group and the band because he's been in love and is focused on his relationship with Miona, which is why, you know, the band hasn't really been together, kind of, you know, things aren't going so great with the band and they haven't done anything. Uh, and, you know, he thinks that he kind of blame Miona for that, even though he goes with his own decision. And she just kind of seems disinterested in the whole thing. Like, yeah, okay, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um because I don't know. And they'll ask a question of that. I mean, do you think she takes his music career seriously at all? Uh, I think she'll take it seriously when it comes down to the money. Yeah. So I think in a way she must because she also has a job where it depends on, you know, gigs, how popular you are, stuff like that. So I think she can relate to it at least and so knows it has to be important because – I mean, while she doesn't come off as like a explicit gold digger, it's like she has to appreciate their situation where they're stuck in it until they get money. Right. And she that's all she wants is that she has a certain situation that requires a certain amount of money. Right. <laughs> to to obtain what she wants. Right. Right. She's like, I don't want money. I just want to live at the beach and I just want to have a nice car. And I just <laughs> want to have like, like, I just don't care about money. Yeah. It's like, eh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like she's been pretty good about not making specific demands. Like, her demands are vague. She just doesn't want to live with his parents. Which is understandable. Like, that yeah. – that, and that you can make her sound gold diggy as much as you want. Most grown women don't want to live with their boyfriend's no, parents. definitely not. But like, she may go one step further by, like, demands like, oh, I want to live in an expensive town like uh, L.A. or New York or, mm -hmm. you know, something. Yeah. And just – I don't know. It just seems like – I think she'd be more okay with it if his music career was a solo career. <laughs> yeah. And it – yes, I agree. I do think it's the fact that it's with other people who we get the impression don't really like her. They think she's like the Yoko Ono. Right. Of like their band. Right. And so, I mean, I can understand that too. I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of people that I know hate me. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we check in with Eve and Mohammed, who are a little uncertain after their dinner with Eve's squad the night before. He's feeling a little guilty that, 
You know, maybe uh, they came off as kind of rude and disrespectful. So she wants to prove that she can uh, be understanding of where Muhammad is coming from. So she arranges a visit to the mosque. So Muhammad and Eve uh, are driving on their way to the mosque. And uh, Muhammad is a little hopeful that this will be the first step in Eve converting to Muslim. Whereas Eve has absolutely no intention of doing that, but she just wants to be supportive. So they get to the mosque and she's really not sure what to expect. Muhammad tries to tell her, you know, uh, that she needs to wear a headscarf and cover her hair. And Eve is really not about this because it's real hot in New Mexico. So she says she's very, very, very hot. And so she doesn't really make too much of an effort to really secure anything. And her hair is all hanging out. And really the goal of this scarf is just to cover her hair. They get into the mosque and they're asked to go their separate ways because men and women are segregated, which Eve finds to be very odd. She wasn't used to this. Uh, Muhammad gets along with uh, the men of the group and Eve is being shown around by a woman and they do their prayers. And afterwards, uh, Muhammad and Eve go to the parking lot where they have a conversation about how great it was that they got to visit the mosque. And then Muhammad throws in, yes, and maybe this is the first step to conversion. He says it's really important to him that the person he is with is religious because he tells us about his dad, who passed away when he was 14. He calls his dad a very religious man, and he said that he really wants his father to be proud of him and who he is today. And he believes that also means in being religious and being with someone who respects and participates in their religion. Eve has absolutely no intention of converting. And then Muhammad kind of alludes to the fact that, you know, they talked about her changing her ways. And she said, I never said I was going to change religion. And then Muhammad says, maybe that she'll have to convert in order for this relationship to work, which seems to be news to everyone because I don't think they're on the same page. No, no, they're not on the same page at all. Like he even said that last time, like I didn't tell you had to convert to Muslim to Islam, but it seems like he's changed his mind more yes. or less because he was like, hmm, I am not liking how much she's not listening to me. Right. And if she becomes a Muslim, then they'll teach her that she has to listen to me. <laughs> yeah. And which is like, not great. Like, not a good reason because he immediately followed up the, oh, we won't be, she has to be a Muslim maybe for this relationship to work was because he was like, there's no way I can be in a relationship with anybody who doesn't prioritize my needs, which is a very large red flag. Right, right. And especially because it was like, since when are these your needs? I don't even understand how you guys are together in the first place. If that was really one of your needs, I think that's maybe on the want list. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Uh, I get to to decide what you wear. Sure. Now, that being said, I feel like she could have put more of an effort into this uh, hijab she was putting on. More oh, than- gosh, yes. It was a piss-poor job at a maybe attempt. It didn't even really seem like a real attempt. She's like, okay, I'll throw this thing on. Didn't even have a safety pin. No. Like the pins that were stuck in the couch from Bilal's segment apparently – Never made it to New Mexico. Never made it to New Mexico. Yeah, and her hair was all hanging out. And I, I was pretty clear on it. He didn't even say anything about specifically how to wear it. He just said – Cover your hair, and she couldn't even do that. No, she seemed like she specifically wanted that one big, you know, lock of hair like out in the front. Like this is way <laughs> cuter. 
Yeah. So uh, I just, you know, it's one of those things where both of them seem to have very clear deal breakers, but they don't care. They're just trekking along with the relationship anyway. Yeah, it definitely seems like a sunk cost relationship. Like, I've already made it this far. Gotta keep going. Yeah, and it's like the religion thing, I think, for some people is a big deal. And it's so interesting to me because... You know, I think it's one of those things where you hear about it being a big deal, but then you also hear a lot about, you know, people marrying outside of their beliefs or religions and how interesting how something starts off being a deal breaker, but it ends up being a compromise. Yeah, and I think that's what they're both kind of feeling like. They're like, oh, it's a deal breaker. They'll come around. Right. And I do (laughs) think there is an element of he's like, well, if I just stick with it long enough She'll relent and then she'll convert. Yeah. I mean, it also seems to him like I don't understand why you wouldn't convert. He, he seems to have trouble not understanding that other people have a different yeah. perspective than him. Sure. And so he's like, but I love this religion and it's great and it's a meaningful part of my life. Right. So it'll be a meaningful part to her life and she'll love yeah. it and it'll be great. Yeah. Because he also seemed to think that the religion will speak for itself. It's so beautiful. Like that's what he said. And then she immediately was not happy about the She's like, wait, part. you put the women over here? Like, yeah. uh-oh, yeah. So, but I think the, uh, the uh, what did they call him? The president of the mosque or the leader of the mosque. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pointing out kind of the more obvious things. Like, he's, Muhammad's going to have a hard time in a liberal culture. Yeah, I think he was trying to be diplomatic and be yeah. like, this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. All right, so next up is Ari and Benny, and they get in the car in Princeton to drive the 45 minutes each way to Jersey City so they can go to this uh, best, which Ari said was the best MMA gym she could find, right? Because we talked about how last time Benny's dream is to be an MMA fighter. So he's really pumped to go to this gym. He's really pumped to start working out. He talks about his dream to be in the UFC and all this. And all the while, you know, she's expressing a little bit of concern that, Seems like he's really more excited about this UFC thing than it than maybe the family. So they get to the gym and they have the trainer, you know, work him out. And he puts on the gloves and they do trade some punches. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think here's something I can work with. Um, and, you know, then they kind of – they kind of talk and ask, well, how much would he have to train? He's like, well, he'd probably have to train like two to four hours every day. <laughs> and this comes as a shock to Ari who well, didn't know like training would be like half a day every day. And is he really going to commit this? Is he putting his dreams above his family? And she even considers, it. does this even really mean he's suspicious that he even wants to be married? So, and you were already talking about this before. Yeah. Uh, is Ari right to be suspicious? Yeah, I said immediately. It's like, she's right to be suspicious because he already laid out the plan. The plan was to come to America to live out his dream. Ari signed the papers. And if it doesn't work out, he could leave. Yeah, it's just it, – it's it's nuts. And I don't – it seems like this is his dream and it is a way. I don't trust these gym people. Like I don't think there's anybody who comes into the gym and says, let's work you out. Let's see what you got. And they go, yeah, you're dog shit. Get out of here. Like you're not going to be good. Like they're going to take your money <laughs> like, yeah, no matter what. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the thing that I would want to know more about. Like how expensive is this gym? You know, and all of that. How expensive are training sessions? Right. Because I do think that goes into, you know, uh, what they're going to say to you. It's kind of like those, you should always be suspicious when you have to pay to be a part of a job. 
right? This right. is supposed to be your job. And I get there's some amount of training because I'm not saying be suspicious of education, right? Obviously. Right, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it just – it does seem, you know, that if this is a for-profit gym – they are going to, you know, they don't really care about your success. Right. They make money mm-hmm. training a lot of people. Like that's what they do. Whether they whether they successful or big champions in F- MMA or what, they get their money. Like that's a good way to make money in MMA without having to actually win any fights or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I have this automatic – but that's because I have an automatic suspicion of everybody who's right. selling anything all the time. So – have you heard of what they were referring to? Because he said it was AMA Fight Club. That was who they trained the champion of. And I was uh, like, I've never heard of AMA. No, I definitely do not follow this like yeah. at all. And okay. it's one of those things, you know, you know how there's always like crazy little worlds, right? Right. You get in your own little world and that's like somebody will be like a big deal and you're like, oh, that person's a really big deal. And then you talk to someone next to you like, that person means absolutely nothing to me. They're <laughs> that's just a like- dude. <laughs> That's like a, a couple days ago, there was a Uruguayan. Uh, Uruguayan. Yeah, Ur- the, Uruguayan. Yeah. The Uruguayan soccer team was here. Was for their here. Family. Yeah. And everyone was like screaming and yelling in the lobby. And we went over to check it out. And we're like, who the heck is that guy? It's some dude. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea what was going on. But apparently that team is staying in our hotel. Well, they were for the friendly on Sunday. They, yeah. had a, they played against the U.S. on Sunday. And it was like, yeah, I was like. I don't – I figured out it was the Uruguayan team just from all the Uruguay flags. Right. That we saw. Right. But I was like, I still don't know who that dude is. Yeah. We, I mean, people were going crazy and I was just like, oh, I, I don't know. I guess it's a soccer dude and we just like walked away. And we're like, all right. Right. It's all It's all like that. And so I, I imagine this AMA thing was like you would say it and you're like, is that supposed to impress me? Because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean – I get that I haven't heard of individuals and I they didn't even name drop. So Yeah, you know. that's true. That's true. But at the same time, it's like I haven't even heard of that organization. No, yeah. no, no. All right. We check in with uh, Patrick and Thais who are seem to be having their first date night because ever since Thais has gotten to the country, John has been around. Patrick does admit that things have gotten a little bit less awkward between John and uh, Thais, but as they're driving to their date night, he tells Thais that they're planning on moving to Dallas, and Thais gets really excited, except when she finds out the we that Patrick was talking about did include John as well. So she starts to push back a little bit and says, why does he have to live with us? Doesn't he have his own girlfriend, his own friends and other family? And Patrick says, no, John's been there forever and he's part of our family. So we can't just abandon him. So Tai says, well, maybe he can just live in another house. Like we live in our house and they he lives in another house. Patrick says, no, that's not how it's going to be, especially because I already told him that he could live with us. So they're both moving there for work, and Thais isn't so happy about it. So what do you think the solution to this is? I don't know if there's a good solution to it. Um, I, 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 I get the feeling that there's more of a story between why he's so adamant that John lived with them. Like, 
Like there's something more to it than like I think he really feels either responsible for John somehow mm-hmm. or something like if he doesn't let him live with him, things are gonna go to shit real fast. Yeah, I do kind of get this sense of responsibility. Like it's almost like, well, where is John gonna live if it's not for me with me? You know, how is John going to survive? How, you know, who's going to be there for John? Right. And it only it kind of almost makes me wonder a little bit. Maybe John is a former addict of some kind and Patrick has been there for him as well as John being there for Patrick because we already know kind of the backstory of why he feels like John is such a good family member. He feels that John was really loyal to him. He was really there in his darkest of times, which is through his divorce. And Patrick just wants to pay the favor because, uh, you know, that's his brother. That's his family. He was there. John was there when no one else was. So he wants to be the same for John. Right. So in, in whatever it is, though, either, you know, Thais doesn't know the story, know mm. the full story, or she does and she doesn't give a shit, which is like, yeah. I hope it's the first one. Yeah, I was going to say, the second one is not good. <laughs> the second one is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea, but uh, it's just, I don't know why she is so anti-John like yeah you know, Patrick seems to see, think oh you know she'll if he if she just gives him a chance she'll love him the same way I do and it's like I don't think that's going to happen I think things will be better but I don't know isn't there any situation where you can maybe live next door to one another like can't you go be in like condos or something have a shared wall like isn't that a compromise right but it just seems like she's not open to compromise at all she's just yeah. like no no, I don't want that. No. Let right. him figure shit out. I don't care. Yeah. But I, I mean, I would have to know what their situation is in Dallas because he owns a home in Austin. So I don't know. Is he planning on renting out the home? Is he planning oh, on sure. selling it and then getting, you know, a house in Dallas? Because, I mean, I think I I think a compromise seems pretty obvious. Like, just live next door to the guy, you know? And I get where Thais is coming from, too, because it's like... She doesn't want to worry about shared space uh, and, you know, John being there while, you know, they're trying to walk around naked or something like that. Right, right. I get that. She just wants to walk around with her tits out. Sure. Oh, God. <laughs> but, you know, it's just I, – I think it's, like, easy. Just live near each other where you guys can hang out at each other's places, like, within walking distance. Yeah, and, and I'd say I, I'd say that, but the kind of neighborhoods, the kind of McMansion they live in now, mm-hmm. it does not lend itself. It's not like there's a McMansion right next door to some smaller townhouse or something that they right. wouldn't live in. Well, and I mean, I think that's part of the compromise too, right? Yeah, tell, tell her, you know, if you want to live by yourself or live by ourselves, we're going to have to get two like smaller apartments right. and, you know, we're going to have smaller space. And I, I think she would go for it. I don't know that she would. I think she'd be like, if he's next, if he's in the apartment next door, then that's, that's still living with us. I don't like well, that. Well, I mean, but she still has her own space. That's not his space. Now, the problem would be if John was over at their house all the time anyway. Which he would be probably. So, well, I yeah. think Patrick would have to make more of an effort to go over there. Sure. Yeah. Right. All right. So next up, we have more with Jerry and Miona. And they're finally getting to Chicago. And <sighs> Miona confuses the overground median grass with pampas, which she's like, that's like $10 a stalk when we back it back at home. But... I'm pretty sure it was just plain old overgrown grass. Um, <laughs> and anyway, they get there and they they meet with David finally. And David, we find out, actually owns right now, owns and operates a trucking company, 
which makes me a little curious why he's still messing around with the music because yeah. he had seemed to have a lot of ins with a lot of trucks. And at this company, when again they get there, he starts trying to convince Jabri. He's like, hey, while we're working on this music, you know, I can get you in the seat of a truck. You can make a little extra money on the side. And Jabri gets very offended about this. <laughs> and actually, so does Biona. They're both like, you're killing my dreams, man. The money changed you. This sounds like the safe route. There's lots of routes to success. And, and then we get into a discussion about how, no, what, what David thinks, or I should say Dacho, as oh, his God. title card called him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Dacho thinks is that it's maybe Miona that's holding him back. Like he used to know Jabri was full of fire. He had such ambition. He'd go for everything. It kind of feels like he's almost neutered with Miona in the picture. And then they they both kind of have this whole thing about who has Jabri's most best interest at heart, <laughs> Miona or David, and who cares about him the most and which one's holding him back. Uh, yeah, it just kind of goes in circles for a little while as they, they argue with each other. So I guess my question is, which one of these two people do you think is holding Jabri back more? I don't know if anyone's holding them back so much as they both have very strong opinions about what's best for Jabri, and it's not the same thing. Sure. So I think they both do, is just they have to recognize that the best for Jabri isn't necessarily their opinion of how everything should play out. And once they kind of get past that, because I think David is coming from a space where he's like, well, why do we even make this music to make money, man? Mm -hmm. You know, and here's a way to make money, take care of your family. So while we're being creative and potentially that could be even more money, let's make some money right now. Yeah. And it just seems like Jabri is in the, the opinion that he can't do both. Yeah, right. but if David is, because isn't he making music with David? So it makes sense that it's like, well, if David's doing it, so can you. And David was the one who got the hookup with his producer. Because yes. you know what? You know what you can do when you have money and have a big network? Yeah. You can get these producers. You know what won't get the producer? Not having money. Like right. it's still – even if it's a creative enterprise like Jabri wants to get into, yeah. it takes money to make money. You can't just build it off of nothing. You have to have that capital. Right, right. And I think that uh, it's – just interesting to me that Jabri doesn't want any part of this because Debbie must be making bank. Like, shipping costs have gone way up. Oh, yeah. And, no doubt. you know, they can command that kind of money right now. And granted, gas prices are all – and they're trying to cover the cost of things. But the lack of, you know, truck drivers and – you know, other people that make this happen is part of the reason why the shipping has gone up for everything. So if David has those services, they're going to be high in demand. Yeah, I just imagine his company has to be doing okay if he owns multiple trucks. Yes, very right? well. Yeah, <laughs> like they got to be so. doing pretty good. And it just, yeah, it's crazy to look at that. And he just, he just did that. The money changed you, man. The money <laughs> changed you, man. Gosh. Like it just, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely on team David here because, yes. because I'm always, they said it's the safe route. And it's like, I guess it is. It's a but, job. This is when is a job the safe route? No, it's, he does think it's a safe route. But it's like, I guess also you could say, I'm just following my dreams. I spend my money on lottery tickets. That's the risky route. That's, that's a lot of pathways to oh, get there. Gosh, like that is goodness. one of your pathways. But how many of those non-risky pathways just end up with you taking the, the safe route just 10 years later? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think also, you know, it's – I think what we don't understand is why can't you do it all? Yeah. Why you can't know? you just do both? I mean, right. you see this all the time, like actors, aspiring actors, actresses, like working a day job. Well, this is your day job. 
Yeah, exactly. All right, so while Bilal's at Juma, Shida is left at home, and she's going to, as she refers to, make uru, which means she needs to wash her hands, feet, and face. So she decides the best place to do this is at the kitchen sink. So the kitchen sink isn't really designed to do this, so she, of course, gets water everywhere, and soon after, Bilal comes home. He immediately notices that there's water everywhere and asks her what she did, and she said, oh, I made uru. And so then they start cleaning up and she points out that, you know, she feels like she's living with the king because he needs things to be so clean all the time. And he has very clear OCD. Uh, While he's putting things away, she's, you know, uh, looking at what he got her and asks for a knife. So he opens up the utensil drawer to find that she has not really cleaned the silverware very well and has put them any which way with all size spoons and all size forks all together and he is not happy. So he once again just kind of rolls his eyes, shakes his head, and lectures her on how things should be put away. All right, so do you think that this guy would drive you nuts? He claims he's not OCD. He claims he's well, just I mean, neat. <laughs> OCD is also a clinical disorder. And the right. fact that he lives a normal life, yeah. like, relatively shows he does not actually have OCD. Right. Uh, but, like, it's it's, it's, it, it, it's everybody has a line, right? And it's all about where your lines are. And it, you, I tended to think she was right before, right? Oh, it's everything so exact. He fluffs his pillows and the karate chops them just the right <laughs> way before he leaves. Right, that was saying one way. Then this way, she's like, he's being so exacting. He's doing that over like a huge amount of water on the floor in the kitchen. I was like, that's a safety issue. You can't just leave water out. What are you doing? And and also the silverware, which I've never put silverware like that. I'm I'm on his. If you have, he has the divider with the things. I put. All my silverware facing the same direction in the correct slots. Right. No, I agree with him on that. Like, she clearly stuck little spoons in the big spoon pile just because she thought, oh, spoons, and just stuck them all in. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Maybe it's how he says all this stuff, right? Right. I think there's a kinder way of, like, kind of showing her, like, hey, little spoons on this side, bigger spoons on this side or something. But he just rolls his eyes and he's like... (sighs) <sighs> really? Like he has that kind of attitude. Yeah, but he's – and it's also like, well, let me – not just, hey, I put the spoons here. This is how I put my silverware away. Yeah. Uh, right? It's like, let me speak to you the advantages of having the silverware laid out to this and let me show you why my way is the best way to do it instead of just being like, I always put the silverware away like this. Like – and kind of just handling it. Mm-hmm. And then also the other thing is having things that are still dirty. In the, yeah, in there, it's like there are things that are right, and it's it's it is tricky to find a kinder way, especially from like a dad who is used to lecturing people when they do it the wrong way, right? But right. you definitely can't lecture your wife or prospective wife like that. Yeah, especially because as she brought up, she was like, "Thank you, Shida," to make a point that she's been trying, and he just doesn't even seem to appreciate her efforts in any kind of way. Right, because it wasn't – it was thank you after a long time. It wasn't, oh, thanks for putting the dishes away, but when I put them away, I do this or, yeah. you know, things like that. It was, it was oh, my God, like laughed at her. Yeah. I was like, did you put the 
forks in the spoon slot? Like, what are you doing? Like, we're here, crazy lady. But yeah, I, I would definitely probably have a similar reaction to the water. Like, did did you spill something? What happened over here? <laughs> All right. So next up is Emily and Kobe. And yeah, so we kind of have to deal with the fallout of shut the fuck up Gazi here because first he finishes his work and talks to Lisa about it, who says, you know, I don't know that it's a woman or man thing, but because Emily can be pretty pushy, but that's probably not something you should say to your significant other. Um, and my husband would never say it to me. So he goes in and tries to like kind of start the conversation by just being like, hey, babe, to kind of gauge where she's at. And yeah, she's not in a good place because nope. she immediately is like, hey, babe, that's what you have to say. And then things quickly deteriorate from there. Uh, it becomes a kind of a talking over each other type thing. She's like, I can't believe you were so rude to me. He's like, but you kept talking and talking. And it just seems like he couldn't clearly articulate what it was that was frustrating him because she doesn't understand it at all. Or maybe she doesn't really want to understand it. Mm -hmm. But she ends up making some very sassy comments about how this if this isn't going to work out. You're going to step back from Africa. Like with weird, crazy eyes and things. And eventually they do both apologize to each other. And both of them seemed really insincere about their apologies. Ah, she seemed more insincere than he did. <laughs> he was – yeah, he apologized. I apologize for saying it. She's like, well, I'm sorry for just talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> while you were working yeah. and uh then they just kind of decide to stop arguing and like i don't know i mean do you think this is a deeper seated problem than is that is going to really derail this relationship here yeah but at the same time i feel like it's her problem right mm -hmm. i think you're going to run into major issues in a relationship when one person can't see outside themselves to realize that they're actions or something that they did somehow influence someone else's actions, right? Right. The fact that she's unable to see at all, like from any perspective, that how she was talking to him was maybe degrading or very bossy. And she fails to even like think of that as even a possibility. She's going to fail to find fault in anything else in a future argument. And that's a huge red flag. Yeah, that's true. Because – and I thought maybe maybe it was him just not being able to articulate it. Sure. Um, because it it was like – it was like she kept saying, well, you were rude. You were rude. And I was mm -hmm. like, she was being rude too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what she was doing was also rude. And, right. And it even said that at some point he was talking to Lisa. He was, she was just like, meh, 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 meh. And we have the closed captions on. Yeah. And it said imitates nagging. And I was yeah. like, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what that was. And it was yeah. like – she just can't see that she was nagging him. And she was right. just like, oh, you're mad because your fiancé was talking to you? What a ridiculous thing to be mad about. Yeah. Right? And it it is just illustrative of – and I think he understood, okay, yes, saying shut the fuck up maybe not have been the best, most productive way to stop mm -hmm. that. But it was also – we also saw him – she didn't get the message. He oh, had hinted no. at it many times oh, before. Yeah. Please stop doing this. He was – yeah, she was not getting it. And so that's also what's frustrating is – you know, and that's why I say it's a her problem. He can at least admit, like, all right, that wasn't the best way to react. Like, it's based in something like emotions, you know. And right. You need to do your best to control your emotions, um, you know, so you're not hurtful to others. But, I mean, at least he can recognize that what he did was hurtful. It's like she can't even see past herself to 
like even see her contribution to this argument. Right. And it does seem I thought it was funny that her mom was like, yeah, I get why you wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah. Like she's she's bossy. She's yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. But maybe you probably shouldn't. Like that's not right. something a husband says to a wife. Yeah, definitely. All right. So it is moving day for Thais, Patrick, and John. So they're leaving their Austin house and they all leave at the same time. And they probably would have got there at the same time if Thais and Patrick didn't make a road stop for a little bit of random sex. Well, they needed to charge the car. What else are you going to do while that's happening? So they all make it to the house and John's been there already and it looks like uh, he set up a little bit of the furniture and so Patrick is giving Thais a tour and she is already pointing out the ugly furniture, which I don't know why she's pointing this out now considering they've been living with this furniture for the last couple weeks, but she's pretty much just really being passive aggressive about the fact that she really doesn't want to be living with John. So the way that the new house is set up is Patrick was thinking that the bottom downstairs floor would be theirs and the upstairs floor would kind of be John's space. So Thais goes upstairs and she talks about how ugly these couches are. And Patrick points out that she'll never have to see them if she doesn't want to because this is going to be John's space. So then she gets all upset that why do we have smaller space? So then overall, she starts complaining about the size of the house. She says that this house is too small. Patrick points out that this house is bigger than her house that she grew up with in Brazil, and it's bigger than the place that they had in Austin. She kind of mopes around saying it doesn't feel this way. But what she's really trying to say is this house ain't big enough for all of us. But Patrick is really upset because he says that he grew up in a trailer park and the fact that Thais is complaining about this house, he has zero patience for it. And it really sends some red flags to him about her ungratefulness about the situation, especially since all the bills are on him and she can't pay for anything. So uh, do you think Thais is really unhappy with this house or is it symbolic for other things she's unhappy for? I I think she is unhappy for the house, but I don't think she's unhappy about it for the reasons she says she's unhappy about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the house is fine. It was a nice house. It really did look like a nice house. It was a new build, he was saying. Yeah, even crazier. Nice, right? Nice house. But I think the issue that she had, and she kind of offhandedly mentioned it once, and I don't know that she even realized this is the issue, is that she had no say in picking it out. Yes, that's true. Right, so she just feels out. Of, it, she just feels like she has no control over the situation. The only control over the situation she can assert is bitching about the furniture. Yeah, right. That's all she has. It wasn't like, like she. He was like she. She said that he did this. He just bought it without me. He went sold this old house, bought a new house without me. I didn't see it. I didn't step foot into it until I'm moving into it. Yeah, right. I don't even know what it looked like. And he's like, "Well, I told you it was bigger than the other house." That's all she had. And so I don't know. I think. You know, save a very few exceptions, she was going to have complaints about this house just because it was out of her control. Right. But at the same time, it's like if she had just moved a couple weeks later, she wouldn't even seen the first house. So it wasn't matter to her. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I just I, I feel like the bigger issue and this goes with John, this goes with her. She feels like Patrick has all the power in the relationship. It's a power dynamic in the relationship where he, she just can only do whatever he decides and whatever he wants to do. He decides who's living with us. He decides where we live. 
right? And she can't do anything. Now, is some of the things ridiculous, like bitching about furniture in somebody else's room because it's my house? Like, is that's absurd, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, I think she just needs to let some of it go because as much as Patrick does make all the decisions, it's pretty clear that he's not one of those controlling people and he almost seems a little like, you know, like whipped a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think he's very much kind of like, oh, I want to make her happy, so I just don't yes. make her think about anything. I'll just take right. care of everything myself, yeah. and it'll work like that. And, you know, besides picking a car that's big enough to bang in, he's not really uh, doing the great <laughs> things she wants. All right. All right, so we go back to Eve and Muhammad, and Eve is telling Muhammad that she's going to go out with her friend Tatiana tonight, which leads to a very passive-aggressive guilt trip for Muhammad. Like, through his eyes. Through his, well, it was also like, oh... So you're going to go out and I'm going to stay home? Okay. Are you going to drink while you're out? Oh, I guess it's up to you. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, Muhammad obviously does not like these friends. And uh, he thinks that that they're like going to be a bad influence on her or something. Because one of his worst fears is that she's going to end up being like them. So she gets out and like, of course, the first thing that happens is they get a drink. And... You know, they kind of discuss, well, how did things go? You know, what was, how did, what did Muhammad think of us? And she thought, she kind of tried to say, well, she didn't like how much you talked about sex because in his culture, you don't talk about sex at all. And, you know, it kind of turned into the same old kind of back and forth. And Tatiana is really worried that, you know, Muhammad is trying to use his religion and his way of life of like to control her because she says, every time you see a bad relationship, this is how it starts out. And that, you know, they were just asking these kind of questions to, um, you know, just for her, just just to get to know a little bit better, mm-hmm. which uh, I feel like you were suspicious of. Yes. I call shenanigans because a lot of the questions that they were asking were just like, he, he was right to be upset, like asking him if he watched porn and like if he masturbated, like that's not because you care about Eve. Come on. Yes. Yeah. It's not about like your religion because the other thing she was worried about and I think she's right on and I think Eve kind of demurred and was like, I don't know. When he, She was like, do you think he'll expect you'll convert eventually? Yeah. Like it's pretty obvious to us on the show, you'd think to her that he does. He's not saying she has to, but that's something he expects is going to happen. Right. And I think she does realize it because almost immediately after, you know, she was asked that question, she had tears in her eyes. So obviously this is something that's upsetting to her and she really does see the truth, even if she's afraid to say it out loud or to her friends. Yeah. And like, I was particularly annoyed with Mohammed's guilt trip at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Like, just not because of even – what I mean, it's, it was twofold, right? The things he was demanding of her were pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Don't have a friend that you see. Don't have a drink with this friend. And it's like, dude, you – this is one of those – I think this is one of those, you came to America. You came to a place where people drink when they go out. Like, but – so what he was asking and how he was asking it, like, it was clear that it wasn't a problem. And he was like, no. It's no problem. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's very passive aggressive. Like saying there's a problem if there's a problem. Right. Yeah. And I just – I don't – I don't know. I don't – I just don't see this going very well at all for anybody. No. Same. Same. So we see Ari and Binyam driving to Ari's uh, MMA gym and uh, Ari is dropping him off. She said that he's been training for two to four hours a day just like Coach Charles said – Every single day. So it's been about a week since this has been happening. 
uh, Ari's feeling a little overwhelmed and overextended because she says that after she drops off Binyam, that she usually has to take care of Avi. And in addition to taking care of a child running around, she also has gotten a job with her friend working on their social media. So she's having to do emails and take calls and things like that. So we get a little bit of a clip of Ari running around the park uh, or after Avi while trying to take work calls. So after they drop uh, Binyam off, they go do their park thing, and then later they go to pick him up. So Ari walks in and sees that uh, Binyam is sparring with a woman, and she is not happy about that. She almost immediately goes into confrontation mode and tries to uh, get up in this woman's face, asks her what her name is, asks if you know, uh, she has a boyfriend and does her boyfriend know she's sparring with a man? And she said that, why are you all dressed up and in full face of makeup? You have your fake eyelashes and totally calling this woman out for uh, sparring, even though they were being chaperoned by Coach Charles. Binyam is very embarrassed about this. Uh, he tries to explain to her that they both have a match coming up, and so it just made sense for them to spar with one another, and they're just training. And then Ari kind of shifts gears a little bit and says, well, why didn't you just tell me? I feel like you're hiding things from me. She feels that he keeps on trying to avoid conflict, and this uh, avoidance of conflict is what's hurting their relationship because he's not fully honest with her. So then she goes on this whole thing where, you know, if Binyam had just been honest with her, it wouldn't feel so suspicious like he's trying to hide something from her. So then they're outside afterwards having a conversation or an interview with us, and then they just start arguing over one another, and Ari basically says she's done. Binyam kind of, you know, says, well, I just want to say this, and then she says, you didn't even hear me, you don't even care, and it just is a hot mess. So. Oh, yeah, total hot mess. Yeah, <laughs> what's your take on this? I mean, I, I was laughing out loud at the last you argument were, you were. just because it was so dumb and nobody said anything. It's, it's like, I just want to say something. And she's like, no, I'm going to say anything. And neither of them were letting each other finish each other's sentences. Right. It was just going on. I don't know what he wanted to say, but it was something because – he kept saying, I just want to say something. Yeah. Both of them weren't making any damn sense. And it right. went on for a long time. Yes. <laughs> it was just like, what's going on here? Right. A very long time. Right. And I don't know, but I suspect that if we kind of saw their interactions outside of this, Ari would probably look less crazy. I think they tried to look make her look maximum crazy on this. Oh, yeah. Right? Like getting in, getting in this woman's face like she's going to start a – it's oh, like, yeah. do you even know what you're She's getting yourself into? She's an MMA into? fighter. Exactly. <laughs> you know she like, can kick oh your ass. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, and it was like, and you know, just Coach Charles was like, you're kind of killing the vibe of the gym here. <laughs> I'm going to need you to step Coach away. Charles, I feel like, because they kept on showing, uh, you know, shots of him. I think he was down for it. He's like, yeah. He yeah. was like, Maybe he was there for else. the drama. Yeah. He was there for the drama. But it's sure. like, I don't know. It, it, she was going after her and the girl was like, whatever, we're sparring. But like, like I said, I suspect she would look less crazy if I'm sure Binium has been like going in circles to avoid talking about how he's sparring with women. Oh, yeah. Like, and I'm sure he has. But at the same time, she still looked crazy. 
Yeah, but I'm saying I'm sure he's like, oh, they and they and, you know, like my partner was this and the person I was sparring with was this and never say being very careful to avoid pronouns and things like that. Right. And but that's the kind of stuff he does. And why did he do that? Because he thought it was going to lead to this kind of fight. Yeah. Well, he's not right? wrong, but, but still it's not making anything any better. Yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. So we end with Jabri and Miona. Well, we start with, with Miona, who's looking uh, – to try to set up a destination wedding in the country because she can't leave within the 90 days. And she's getting a lot of rejections on the phone. Not surprising. She's also looking at this and be like, why are these places all three times more expensive in Serbia? Which I kind of feel like everybody's been telling her this whole time. Yeah. But then we just switch over to Jabri, who's in the studio working with Alex, the producer there that, that, that they're working with. David is there. Brandy, their rapper, is there. And he walks in the studio with Space Cash. Gosh. Just wears a helmet the whole time so he can't ever <laughs> see his face and also doesn't say anything at all. So they're working with Alex. They only got limited time in the studio. So it's time to go into the go into the studio and lay these tracks down. And David starts off by going, everybody put your phones on silent. And then also starts bitching to Brandy about Miona. He'd be like, how would you like it if somebody like well, was always calling you and checking up? And she was like, well, she doesn't have any friends or anything here. So it kind of makes sense. He's like, eh, whatever. So then Jabri takes out his phone to text Miona to be like, hey, I'm going to put it on silent and be on Do Not Disturb for a while while we record. And David is like, why well, you got to do that? She knows you're in the studio. You should be focused on the work. And that doesn't sit with Jabri at all, who kind of eventually, as all this is going down, because David keeps, keeps needling him at it, kind of like – Shoves him in the side of the head or something. I don't which know what that was. It was a weird – it wasn't a punch. It wasn't a shove. It was like, I'm just going to touch your face. Yeah. Um, like kind of like like sh- like push you around a little Almost bit. like he was throwing a pie Nudge. in his face without a pie. Yeah, it was like a nudging. <laughs> yeah. And then it turned into a wrestling match and that's where the, that's where the episode ended. So, I mean – what do you think was going on here? Who was the real, like, instigator? What well, I think the instigator of the physical stuff was clearly Debris. Sure. But David was also pushing his buttons because why does he care? Text takes, what, 10 seconds? It takes less than the discussion they would have had about the text. Right. So just let him to text her and... I mean, also, Jabri could have avoided conflict by just saying, you know, like, okay, I'm turning off my phone real quick. And then taking the time to text. Yeah, and then texted quick before he yeah. didn't actually say he was going to text. Right. But instead he announces it like, well, let me just text Miona and tell her what I'm doing now. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was all kind of a setup. And that's what yes, I, I get where, where Miona is like, just dude, like if you're David, I don't understand. Just let it go, dude. Yeah. Just let it go. Yeah, like but it, clearly there's resentment there, and we'll see coming up next time that really there is something going on. Yeah, yeah. But that was the end of pretty much everything we had, so yeah. did you have a student of the week? Uh, student of the week? Oh, gosh, I didn't even think about I that. Know, I already, right? in my mind, was like, dunce, I already know well, what that's going to be. sure, we have dunces already. Um, I'm going to, I'll go first then, so you can think yeah. about it. I'm going to go with Space Cash, just because... <laughs> Because he was there. He didn't say anything. He just he just showed up, dabbed people up. And man, everybody, I feel like everybody who opened their mouth was like really, really bad this week. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't think of anyone really off the top of my head. I guess Lisa? Uh, Emily and uh, oh, Lisa's Emily's mom. mom. Yeah. Okay. Emily's mom. Yeah. yeah I got it. Sure. I mean, she tried to be somewhat diplomatic. She didn't get on his case. Uh mm-hmm. 
Kobe's case for something. I mean, she did in her own way tell him, like, that's not cool. Like, yeah. my husband would never speak to me that way. Sure. Uh, but... I thought I thought she did a pretty good job of not coming off too judgmental. Yeah. And being somewhat empathetic considering that this person, Emily, is her daughter. You yeah, know? true, yeah. true, true. So speaking of, that was my tuts, Emily. <laughs> yeah, I I I can see that. Like I was I was considering Emily for my dunce too. Just that you're right, not taking responsibility for her actions. Right. Or yeah. her role in anything. It's like, this was all your fault and you better fix it or we're done. And with that attitude. Yes. So I think I'll go with um, Thais is my dunce. Okay. Just, you know, for not, maybe not being in touch with her feelings, but not mm. also not kind of articulating what was really bothering her. And yes. instead just like bitching about all the free shit she had. Yeah. I don't like this free furniture. It's ugly. Like, right. I don't like this giant house. It's not my taste. Like, right. th- it is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads me to my life lesson. It's like this passive aggressive bullshit is not how you're going to maintain a healthy relationship. And there yeah. was a lot of passive aggressive stuff happening in today's episode. Yeah, there sure was. There sure was. Um, yeah, I guess I'll go for my life lesson. Like, um, I think. Oh, yeah. Wash your feet in the bathroom sink. <laughs> yeah. Like right. bathrooms are literally for washing bodies. Like yeah. let's just do it there. Do you it can make your voodoo there. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, definitely. All right. So uh we will be back next week, probably back to the uh older Back to format. the old format. Yep. Yeah. Uh so this was this format is simply because we are in person recording together, but uh next week we will be back in our respective states, and so uh we'll be back next week. Same as usual. Same as usual. Talk okay. to everybody then. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.